0: Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. Last Sunday night, I spoke to you from uh, the second chapter of the book of Joshua. Talked to you on the subject of she, the, she's not the girl she used to be. I'm glad the Lord can change anyone's life. takes the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse us, to make us what we ought to be. But tonight I want to talk to you for a few minutes on crossing over your Jordan. Crossing over your Jordan. If you will, follow as I read beginning in chapter 3 at verse 1, and you'll find these words of the scripture. And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Thou shalt command the priest that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When you are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, you shall stand still in Jordan. I'm going to stop reading there and just ask you to keep your Bible open, in uh, that I may make reference to some of the verses that we have not read thus far. Because of the unbelief of the people of Israel, they were sentenced by the Lord God, to wander in the wilderness for some 40 years. Now at this point in the passage that we have read, those years and that time has expired. And Israel is literally poised to go over into the land of Canaan. They are ready to now claim the inheritance that God had promised them many centuries even prior to this time. Now, here, however, before they entered into the land of Canaan, there was a great obstacle that stood between them and the possessing of the land. This was one great and final obstacle that must be overcome. Now, That would not have presented a problem normally as they came to Gilgal to cross over at that point over the Jordan and into the land of Canaan. At this point, normally, the river Jordan is only about 100 feet wide. But amazing, you'll discover, it seems that God always chooses to do things in such a way that when it is done, no man can boast saying, we did this on our own. In fact, the only way Israel could get across the Jordan was by a supernatural intervention from the Lord God. Now, As you look through the Bible, you'll find that it seems the Lord does that quite frequently. So man cannot be glorified and cannot boast that he accomplished these things. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. Certainly it wasn't Daniel who closed the mouths of the lions. If it had not been for divine and supernatural intervention, Daniel would have been breakfast for those lions. But no, God intervened and Daniel could never stand and say, I closed the mouths of the lions. No, but Daniel had in truth and willingly could testify that God was his salvation and closed the mouths of those hungry lions. The Hebrew children who were thrown into the fiery furnace, certainly they could not come out as they did wonderfully and miraculously and say, you know what, we did this ourselves. We were the responsible ones for our not being burned, and even a hair on our a, a hair on our yeah a hair on our head being singed. I thought I had it backward, but nonetheless, God intervened and He gave a deliverance for the three Hebrew children. Now, according to the fourth chapter and the fifteenth verse of this book of Joshua. The Lord led Israel to the point of the crossing of the Jordan in what is known as the time of harvest. And we're told that at that particular time, the river Jordan swells tremendously and actually gets out of its boundaries. They tell us that at that particular time the waters of the Jordan were 50 times wider than they were under normal situations. So the Lord provides uh, something in the face of Israel to again reassure them that he indeed was with them. The Lord really created a pretty big lake at this point. When he backed the waters of the Jordan up, the Bible literally says that the waters were backed all the way up to a town called Adam. If you'll check your map, do you know how far it is from Gilgal up to Adam? 20 miles. That'd be a pretty nice size lake. And yet the Lord caused the rivers to swell and they went over their banks some 50 times wider than normal and here's the water backed all the way up. The Lord's holding it up as it were by an invisible hand, by an invisible dam and gives Israel the very opportunity of coming across dry shod to the other side. So there's often in our lives those Jordans that we face that we cannot cross by ourselves. You see, Canaan is not a type nor a picture of heaven. We often sing, and I mentioned this Wednesday night, we often sing on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wistful eye. And we we usually sing that thinking about heaven itself. But, jo- but Canaan is not a picture nor a type of heaven. In Canaan, you'll find there was warfare, there was conflict, there were divisions, and yet that's not going to be the case when we get into heaven. Thank God for that. There was, no di- there was dying in Canaan, and yet there'll be no death in heaven. And so Canaan is, though though not a type of heaven, it is a type of the spirit-filled life of victory. And so as we as God's people, and I don't know anybody that's really saved, I'm talking about blood wash, born again, who does not want to be victorious over the things in his life that keeps him from entering into God's promised blessing. I believe there's a hunger within us. And we want to go and possess our possessions that God has indeed promised was ours. So we all face some kind of a Jordan somewhere. Obstacles that stand in the way and defy our entrance into this land of victory and into this land of blessing. So what I want to share with you tonight is this. Remember this. I believe that what worked for Israel 3,000 years ago will work for us today as God's children. And there are some definite principles. Actually, there are three steps that I want you to see that are taken here that causes Israel to experience this mighty victory and this great overcoming of that obstacle. Now, let me back up and say, I do not really know what obstacles may be keeping you as a believer from enjoying the abundant life that our Lord Jesus came to give. That is, you may not be enjoying the fullness of God's blessing because of some Jordan that cuts you off from it. It may be a habit. It may be an attitude of heart. It may be some unforgiveness that's down inside. It may be the pride of your heart. It may be some lust that has so consumed the desires of your life that you just can't get across them. You know that there is a greater life of victory for you as a Christian than you're now experiencing. There's a life of greater joy. There's a life of greater usefulness. But you've come up to that Jordan and you've, somehow you've tried and tried to get across. Oh, you built your boat or two and tried to sail across and got picked off by the enemy. Uh, you've tried your best to swim through all the trouble and the obstacles that defying you and a life of victory. But yet you get out there and you have to call for help. You're going down in the water and uh, you just can't make it across. Hey, have you tried something real hard to overcome? You knew it ought not to be in your life. You felt a conviction about it. You you were plagued with a guilt over it. And yet you've not been able to cross that Jordan uh, into that land of victory. now, I want us to examine the message that is here for us. And you'll find it in verse 1 down through verse number 13. And I did not read all of those verses. Now, this message involves three distinct facts or steps. First of all, it involves a challenge. God gave to Israel a challenge. Now, they were challenged in two or three different ways. Number one, they were challenged to watch God. That is, we often say it, keep your eye on Jesus. Keep your eye on him. And the reason many of us are defeated, we're looking over in the stands, the grandstand of the world around us, and we're picking up signals from them instead of picking up the signals from the heavenly coach. And I say that reverently. If a ball player in the World Series tonight, which, by the way, Arizona will win, I just wanted to make that prophecy. Uh, But nonetheless, uh, if if you were if you were uh, watching uh, up in the stands for signals, well, they'd be telling you everything the country. You'd fall flat of your face. The ball player must watch the coach. He gets his signals from him. One of the men of old said when they faced the enemy was Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat when that overwhelming enemy was coming against them. Uh, he said, Lord, we don't know what to do, and I like this, but our eyes are upon thee. And you may not know what to do uh, as far as gaining victory over that, that uh, uh, pattern of thought or the feelings and emotions that seem to control you. But I'm here to tell you, uh, you need to turn your eyes on God. And what I talked to you about this morning, we so often forget God. We try to work all the problems in life out by ourselves, And we, we just, when we do that, we're like a fellow who's fallen into quicksand. And he struggles and struggles and struggles and struggles. But the more he struggles, the deeper he goes. And that's the way it is with me, with you in our Christian life. And I, I'm talking from experience. I know in my own life that there have been those moments when I tried. I knew that this was not right and that was not right. Yet I found myself still on the other side of the Jordan uh, not being able to get across. But I found this out. When I recognized God, when I brought the God factor in. I preached about that not long ago, didn't I? The God factor. You lack power And yet Jesus said all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth. There are no impossibilities with him. And don't let the devil convince you that you have to keep on and on struggling and being defeated and conquered and having to stay over on the other side of Jordan away from your Canaan. You don't have to do it. Don't you believe the devil's lie? The Lord's promised us that we can have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, thanks be unto God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so the Lord would have us to watch him. And uh, he wanted Israel's eyes turned upon him. By the way, and I'm I'm saying that because of this fact, some seven times in this third chapter, you'll find the Ark of the Covenant mentioned seven times in this third chapter. Now, what was the Ark of the Covenant? It was that piece of furniture in the tabernacle upon which rested the Shekinah glory of God. It was the very, the very symbol of the presence of God among, among His people. Inside that ark is another key. Inside the ark was God's covenant with Israel, which speaks to us of the covenant that God's given us. We have a new covenant sealed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in effect today. And I say that because a testament is not in effect until the testator is dead. Jesus, our great covenant God, died and shed his blood on the cross. And every promise as a result in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. God has sealed it with his blood. And so then uh, this very covenant, the ark of the covenant was indeed uh, to be recognized. Uh, The Lord Jesus indeed is our ark of the covenant, isn't he? Uh, He came down in human form. Uh, The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He came down and dwelt. The word dwelt, I talked to you some Sundays back on this fact. And the word dwelt, same word for tabernacled. He tabernacled among us. The tabernacle speaks of Christ. Every piece of furniture in the tabernacle, of the wilderness, reveals Christ to us in a most wonderful and blessed way. And so then uh, we are to watch God. Uh, This one who is Emmanuel, God with us. In other words, it's simply this. Israel, when God moves, you move. But until he moves, don't you move uh you know uh Israel was on the other side of Jordan, but I want you let me ask you to look at something lest I forget it. Look at verse one again, and Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from shittim Now that word simply means thorns i'd hate to live among thorns with you if I did i'd be getting out as soon as I could. So here, Israel moves from the place of thorns, and I dare say they think, well, I, I'm glad to get out of that bunch of thorns. But no sooner they got out of there, they come up to this other obstacle that stood in their way and brought great dismay to them and discouragement. You know, sometimes we think, well, I got out of this problem, and I'm free of problems now. You just wait a minute you're going to have something sooner or later again that's going to come up, and that difficulty and that problem is going to say hey you're not at least you're not going to inherit the blessings that your god your covenant God has promised you and offered to you you are not going to have it well, from the thorns to the river, and there it is, blocking the way. Into the entrance. I think, of, I think of Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 11 in the song of Moses. Would you like to hear him sing that, sing, brother guy? that winds up, something, wouldn't it? Heard Moses sing. He composed the song and, and, and sung it too. But the 32nd chapter of Deuteronomy records for us the song of Moses. And in that song, he said this. Listen to these, uh, this. Uh, simple words, back here in the book just for Joshua. Listen, verse 11. And he says, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. Now, Moses is saying that's what the Lord did to us, his children. He Like an eagle, he stirred up the nest. You know what they tell me? That an eagle, when that little eaglet Though it's been in that nest for a long time, uh, they, the eaglet sometimes gets out of the nest, and you know what the old mama eagle do? Come in there and pull all of the nice cushiony feathers out and leave nothing but old sticks and things that kind of jab you, you know, like thorns, I guess. And that little eaglet gets to where it's pretty uncomfortable. Uh, he doesn't want to hang around there. And before he knows it, Mama Eagle kicks him out of the nest. And maybe the little eaglet thinks, my, she's killing me. I, I'm not going to make it. And yet the Lord brings trouble our way and lets obstacles come in front of us so that he can strengthen us. And could I say it and be understood? So he can teach you to fly. You don't have to just rest on the wings of Mama Eagle and be caught. Oh, you learn to fly. But the only way you'll learn that is being in the form, coming up to the Jordan. And you'll learn to trust the Lord God and His power to sustain you in your life. Now, so, first thing that's involved here of crossing the Jordan is to watch God. And then at verse 3, notice this. He's saying in simple words, when you see the ark move, you leave your place and follow after it. Leave your place. Uh, You know, sometimes God may require us to leave our comfort zone. You ever get the place you're just comfortable where you are in your Christian life? God sometimes will say, hey, it's time to move now. But Lord, The folks won't, Lord, they won't accept me. And Lord, if I I go to that field of service, oh, Lord, they won't understand me. And the Lord says simply, I've moved, now you follow me. You follow me. Uh, Indeed, uh, uh, these people in Israel, they were resting. What the word lodge over here in verse uh, 1 means. The children of Israel lodged there. They were just resting. And the Lord said, now, when you see an ark move, you get up and leave your place. Oh, I know you'd rather stay on the bank of the river and just kind of camp out there. Everything's comfortable. Fire's going good. Sorry I mentioned fire. All you folks burning up tonight. But you're sitting over there real comfortable. And all of a sudden God went, you know, this is another thing of interest to me. Do you know Israel moved back in the wilderness only when a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day moved? But you see, they're coming into a new experience. They're coming to a place where God is not going to direct their paths by this uh, seeming overwhelming wonder. that he's just saying, you follow the ark of the covenant. You follow my word. When it moves, you move. When God says something to you from his word and you're feeling mighty comfortable until that old loud mouth preacher got up and started talking about the way I was doing and the way I was acting and the things I was involved in, I felt just fairly comfortable. And yet God's saying to you, it's time to get up and move. It's time to move ahead in your Christian life. Follow the Word of God. Oh, listen, it may not be always easy to follow it, but I can promise you this, it's always best. It's always best. One thing I've discovered in my life as a Christian, and that is, you heard me said it before, I've discovered that the will of God is always the best for me. And I don't want anything outside His will. Do you? I just want His will in my life. Day in and day out. Oh, how blessed and how, how, how secure and safe is that place in your life and mine when we're knowing we're in the will of God. What we do, what we're saying, the things we're involved in, knowing we're in the will of God. Oh, what peace can be ours. Now, if we ever expect to get to get past our obstacles and the rivers that we face and enter Canaan. you have to learn to follow him. You know, the only way you can learn of him is to follow him. That's exactly what Jesus had in mind in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, when he said this. If any man will come after me, what's this? That means if you're going to be a disciple of mine, And the word disciple basically means a learner. If you would be a learner of me, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, not my will, but yours now. Not what I want, but what you want. Not where I want to go, but where you want me to go. So he said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. You know what the cross is a symbol of? It's a symbol of death. It's the very picture of death. Paul would say, and no wonder God accomplished so much through Paul's ministry. You can hear him saying, I die daily. Positionally, we died when Christ died on the cross. But in a practical, practicality of life, we die daily. That is, we reckon ourselves dead every day, every moment of our life. And it takes that reckoning, that accounting of what God has done for us in Christ. If you deny yourself, take it across and follow me. So the second thing, if you're to cross the river, is not only watch God, but follow him. And then thirdly, and I'll close, the Lord would instruct them to honor him. Here's a strange thing at verse 4. And notice what it says. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way hither uh, heretofore. Honor God. Now he said, I want you to stay what he say? Uh, 2,000 cubits, that's about 3,000 feet. Uh, Actually, it measures up to about uh, a half to three quarters of a mile. Now here the ark has moved out, and the Lord said, don't get too close. Don't get too close. I believe what he's saying is this. Not only watch God and follow God, but honor God, honor him. Too many people want to make God some kind of one of their old buddies. But we're not to look at God as an old buddy. Not at all. Familiarity with divine holiness often brings us to a cheaper kind of living. You hear these people who have no regard for God's holiness and they talk about the man upstairs. And they'll talk about God in terms of cheapness and buddiness. Listen, God is a holy God. He is a sovereign God. And yet we come and try to approach him sometimes in the most flippant manner. My friend, listen, he is the king of the universe. He is the creator of this world. And we dare not come into his presence. You know, with some kind of flippancy, uh, well, I won't say that, I'm going to go on. If we follow, you can mark this down. If we are willing to follow, he's willing to lead. Jesus taught in that disciple's prayer, he taught us to pray and lead us not into temptation. But you know a lot of folks when they're tempted, they follow after the temptation. God wants us to follow him. And he wants us to honor him. Honor him in your life. And, and certainly, uh, the, the challenge that God gave to these people was to clean yourself, sanctify yourself, set yourself apart. We need everyone to examine our own lives. See that we're clean. Clean before God. Holy in his sight live in the kind of life that we know God would have us live. May God help us then to not stay on the other side of Jordan. Let's get on the cross. Let's begin to experience greater victory. And I believe that divine intervention of parting the waters of Jordan just gave the children of Israel more courage, more determination, than they had ever had before. For soon now they're going to face the city of Jericho, another great obstacle. But notice how they go around that city in obedience to the Lord's Word. And I believe every act of obedience in our lives strengthens us for another act of obedience. And if we have failed to learn to obey God in a little you're not going to obey him in the big thing. If a youngster hasn't learned to be obedient to his parents at home, you need not expect him to be obedient when he gets out in society. There's that obedience again. May God help us, folks, not to be content to rest over on the other side but cross over. Let's pray together, please. Heavenly Father, pray that The simple truth of this message tonight will lodge in our hearts. If nothing else, Lord, make us so discontent with our paltry lives and living for Thee. Lord, somehow help us to desire and be determined by Thy grace and Thy power to live in that land of victory as Your child. Thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for your presence. Help us as we go from here and tomorrow as we go out into the world. Help us to be a faithful witness. Help us to be a clean vessel. And may, Lord, we keep our eyes on you. May we follow you. And above all else, may we honor you in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.